We were very late on the claps right there. Very, very late. We're off. You know what? I, I'm really proud of this group a lot of the time, but right there, that was disappointing, okay? We were off. You missed it. It's like you've never seen the show. Hey, we're excited that you're here. We're in week three of our Friends series where we're looking at different friendships throughout Scripture and how they apply to our lives. And the one that we're going to look at today, although the, the relationship was a friendship, I think that this one more than any applies to every relationship in our lives. Obviously with our friendships, um, but man, in dating relationships, with family, this idea that we're going to talk today about is absolutely critical because if this isn't involved in the relationships that we have, we're going to have a big problem and you're never going to feel like you're getting the most out of it. It's always going to feel like it's coming up a little bit short when we talk about this idea. So we're going to be in 2 Kings today, looking uh, chapter 2, verse 1. It's going to be on the screens. We're looking at two guys named Elijah and Elisha, okay? So Elisha is spending time with Elijah learning. Elijah was a prophet, and man, God was doing some really incredible things through Elijah, and Elisha's there learning from underneath him. So check this out. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel, and the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Okay, so here's what's about to happen, just so we're, we know where we're heading. Elisha knows that something's about to happen to Elijah. He realizes that, hey, this guy that I'm spending all of this time with is about to leave. Like, he's not about to be here anymore. God's about to take Elijah away from the earth. And we're going to read about that here in a second. So it's not going to be something that catches Elisha off guard. Verse 4 says, Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take you away from your master from over you? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them and they, as they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go across on dry ground. Okay, So a few things have happened here. What you're noticing is a little bit of a theme where Elijah's telling Elisha that I have to go to Bethel. I have to go to Jordan. You can't come. You just need to stay here. And Elisha keeps saying, no, I've got to be with you. I've got to be with you. I've got to be with you. It's like he's almost testing him during this time to see where his allegiance stands. But verse 9 says, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you've asked a hard thing. 
Yet, if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. Okay, so it's not really a riddle right there. If you see me when I leave, that'll happen. If you don't, it's not going to happen. Verse 11 says, And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, and he saw them no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. Okay, so you see the end of their relationship happen right there where God takes Elijah up to heaven. They've spent a lot of time together up until this point. Okay, they've spent a lot of moments, men, learning from one another, praying together, watching God work. And now it's time for Elisha to go out on his own and to go out and do his own thing. And this idea of mentoring is something that we see throughout Scripture, so it's not uncommon. But here's what we're going to focus in on today. Your relationships in your life, friendships, whatever they may be, they're going to be two things. And they, there's no in-between on it. They're either going to be selfless or they're going to be selfish. There's zero debate about that. You're either going to be in a relationship, in a friendship, with somebody that's selfless, where the two of you are working for something bigger, or you're going to be in one that is selfish, where all the attention has to go back to one person. Now, your friend might be that person, or maybe you or that person that is the selfish one in the relationship, where you just can't let go of stuff, where you have to be the center of attention, where everything's got to revolve around you. I said I was going to say it every week, and we're going to continue with that thought. To find these kinds of people, you've got to become this kind of person. So if you want to find yourself surrounded by selfless people, and people that are willing to do more for you and to work for something greater than just themselves, we've got to be willing to make that sacrifice first and foremost, okay? So what we're going to look at today is what makes a selfless relationship? What makes a selfless relationship? And there's a lot of qualities that go into it. There's a lot of things, and typically we know this up front. A lot of times you see the red flags early on of like, hey, this is great, they're doing these things, they're willing to set things aside for me, they're willing to do more than what's just between the two of us, but we always see the red flags when we're around selfish people. If you notice the conversations always tend to revolve around them, they don't want to allow you to live your own life, you can't do really anything on your own, all of these warning signs begin to creep up. So what we're going to look at today is what makes a selfless relationship. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to dive in. Father, thank you for today, Lord, and I thank you for the example that Elijah and Elisha set on what it looks like to have a selfless friendship. God, they both sacrificed a lot, and it wasn't just for themselves. God, they were working for a greater good, and I pray that our relationships in our lives today continue to work for that greater good, Father, that we wouldn't just be caught up between the two of us, we wouldn't just be caught up in the friendship and forget everything else that's happening in the world around us, but God, that we would be so focused on using it to glorify your name that it would just be a self 
less relationship. Father, I pray that those are the ones that we have in our lives. I pray that we surround ourselves with people that are selfless, and in turn, we become that kind of person as well. So, Lord, we're going to give this time to you. We love you. We thank you. It's your name we pray. Amen. So here's our first thought in what makes a selfless relationship. It's this. Sacrifice seems natural. Okay? Sacrifice seems natural. You notice there early on in the passage that we just read, Elijah's telling Elisha that, hey, you can't go because I'm going to a bunch of different places. And you've got to realize none of these places are really that close. They're walking to get everywhere. These are long, hard trips that they're taking. And Elijah's telling Elisha, look, you shouldn't go. You don't want to do this. Like, let me go. You stay here. Do your own thing. Because you're going to have to sacrifice and you're going to have to give up a whole lot to make that happen. So why don't I just go and you stay here? But this was Elisha's response each time. As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. He knew that he was about to lose his mentor. He knew that he was about to lose his friend. He knew that he was going to go up to heaven, but he was not going to leave early. And Elisha was going to sacrifice things in his life to make sure that he stayed with Elijah. And there's really no hesitation here. Scripture doesn't note any portion in time where Elisha goes, hey man, let me take a couple of minutes to think about this. Let me take a couple of minutes to say goodbye, to pack my things, to do this, to do that. He just says, I'm not going to leave you. I don't really care where you go. I don't care what you have to do. I'm going with you. Guys, in a, self, in a selfless relationship, sacrifice does not seem like a big deal. You really don't think about it that much. You really don't Think about, hey, I'm giving up a lot to make sure that this is able to go forward. You're willing to do it because you care about the other parties involved. The other people involved mean that much to you, that you're willing to do something for them. That you're willing to look in the mirror and go, man, I'm going to give up the things in my life. I'm going to give up the things that I want and I'm going to set them to the side so that we can continue in this friendship, in this relationship. You're more interested in the other person rather than you are in your own interest. So at one point, what might have been selfish when you're like, you know what, I really don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if that's something that I'm willing to give up. All of a sudden, when you enter a selfless relationship, you're like, yeah, I'm going to do what I need to do to make it happen. Like, I'm willing to go ahead and push all of these things that I desire to the side to make this happen. You've seen this play out before in, you pick the romantic comedy. Like, this is the plot of every great rom-com that you can find on Netflix that comes into movie theaters. You've got a guy, you've got a girl. The girl's got big plans, the guy has big plans. 
Neither one really wants to back down. They break up. Everybody's very sad. This is at about the hour and 15 minute mark of the movie, right? She goes back to her friends. He goes back to his friends. And they get together and go, what are you doing? You need this person. You've got to go running through the airport. They always end up at the airport, don't they? You've got to go to the airport, and you've got to catch them before they get on the plane. Don't worry about security. You're just going to run straight to the gate, and you're going to meet them. I can't tell you how many movies I've seen where the guy has the realization of, oh, yeah, I can't live without him, and I really don't care what I want in my life. Man, I'm pushing it to the side, and I'm going to chase after it, and I'm going to go tell her I'm willing to do whatever we need to do to make it happen. As funny as it is, right, because I'm telling you, if you start paying attention to romantic comedies, they always end up at airports. Always. Somebody's always about to take a really long flight away and take a job on the other side of the country. But then they get back together, and you go, whatever happened to the job? Now they're at the beach. I don't get it. But. Every time that happens, you see something, a progression that happens in the character, though. The person goes from being selfish to selfless. All of a sudden, as they begin to weigh out on the scales of life, the things that matter to them, the things that are important to them, their own interests don't seem nearly as important as the other person involved. Elisha had to give up a whole lot to continue to follow Elijah. He's risking his life, first and foremost. He's traveling all over the place. He's about to take on a huge burden knowing that Elijah's going to leave one day. And yet, he's willing to do it and he doesn't think twice about it. As far as, we don't talk about it a whole lot, but as far as dating goes, guys, I'll tell you this. If you're dating somebody and you're really having to weigh out like, yeah, I like to do this and I really want to keep doing this. But there's also, if you, can, if you find yourself being more selfish than selfless, you probably just need to go ahead and move on, right? Because it's going to fall apart at some point. I hate to break it to you. All right, I hate to be the grim reaper of relationships, but that's the truth, right? If you find yourself in a place where you're not willing to make a sacrifice, it probably tells you a lot. And if the other person's not willing to make a sacrifice, it tells you all you need to know, okay? So sacrifice is going to seem natural when we are around selfless people and we have selfless relationships, But the second thing that happens is we realize what's best is actually a really big deal, okay? What's best is a really big deal. We see it all throughout Scripture. We see it constantly in this relationship with Elijah and Elisha. Elijah is testing Elisha during this period. He's really seeing how committed he is to what they're about to do, to what God's trying to do. Because if Elisha at any one of these points was to have stayed at home, was to have waited all and gone, you know what, I really don't think it's worth it. I don't think this is something that I'm interested in. It would have told Elijah all that he needed to know. But Elijah's constantly 
training and teaching him without necessarily knowing it, the big things that he needs to know because he realized that what God was going to do through Elisha was a really big deal. Guys, if we lose sight of God's best in our relationships, we've got a big problem. If we lose sight of what God's called us to do, because of a relationship and because of a friendship, that is a massive red flag that we need to pay attention to. Because there's going to be no debating what God calls us to. We can go and we look in Mark and we see that, man, Jesus tells us the two greatest commandments after he's asked by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. But the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. So that's the foundation of what we do as believers. We love the Lord with everything that we've got in our hearts. And then we turn around and we love other people well. That's what we're called to do. If you're in a relationship with somebody, if you're in a friendship with somebody, and you lose sight of those two great commandments because of it, you really need to reevaluate things. Here's what I mean by this, because you look at it on paper and go, I wouldn't ever lose sight of that. I would never forget what I'm supposed to do. If you were to strip everything else away from your life, if you were to take away that relationship, if you were to take away the friendships, the stuff you do at school, the things you're involved in, is Jesus still at the center of your life or did you lose what was at the center of your life along the way when you were pulling it all back? Because what happens a lot of the time is we can give the Christianese answer, right, of going, yeah, of course, God's number one in my family uh, or God's number one in my life, my family's number two, everything else is... They're behind it. We can give the right answer, but a lot of times our hearts aren't in the right place. They're not in the same place as the words that are coming out of our mouth. And sometimes, man, we allow a relationship or a friendship to become our God. And when that gets stripped away, we've completely lost sight of what God's called us to in our lives. The friendships that you've got in your life should help strengthen what God calls you to, not pull you away from it. Man, your friendships should be centered around the same two things. Loving the Lord with everything that you've got and loving other people well. If your friendships cause you to put on blinders and not see anybody else in the world and not care about anybody else in the world and to not care about what God's called you to and not care about the things that we're called to as believers, you've got a problem. Working with, with high schoolers on a daily basis, there's a couple common themes, right? And yes, you all go to different schools and you're dealing with different things. However, there are just central themes that I see in life um, of situations that we deal with over and over again. And one of the most common ones 
is when they get into maybe a, a friendship or they begin to date somebody and they lose sight of what God's called them to. And they don't realize it at the time, but they've gotten so consumed in this one relationship in their lives, they can't think about anything else. They're willing to sacrifice what God's called them to. The things that we see in the New Testament over and over again, the things that we're supposed to abstain from and the things that aren't supposed to be a part of our lives, we go, you know what? I guess it's really not that big of a deal because if I don't do this, this person's not gonna like me as much anymore. They get way too consumed with just each other and forget that there's a world out there that exists, that there's other people in the world, that this should be something that strengthens the kingdom and not tears it apart. Guys, never ever lose sight of the fact that God's best is a really big deal in every aspect of your lives. We can't just shield God from certain parts of our lives. Man, when we commit our lives to Christ, when we say yes to Jesus, we can't go, Jesus, I want you to be a part of this, this, and this, but I can't give you all of this. I can't give you this portion of my life because, man, I'm just kind of doing my own thing there. It doesn't work like that. We turn over literally everything. We use this illustration at Closer, and I think it applies here. Imagine that your parents are selling the house that you're in or the apartment that you're in, but you love your room, right? I mean, you love your room. That's your spot. You go there, you listen to your angsty music, and, man, you work on homework. You spend all of your time in your room. You love that place. But your parents are selling the house. Imagine going to the real estate agent going, hey, look, I know that it says that we've got a four-bedroom home for sale, but really it's a three-bedroom because I'm going to have to keep that one room. Like, I'm going to keep it for myself. So everybody else can move in. You can have the rest of the house, but I get to keep my room. It doesn't make any sense. The real estate agent's going to look at you like you're crazy. The family that wants to buy the house is going to get a restraining order, right? They're going to think you're nuts. They're going to think you've lost it. It's not something you would do, and yet we do it all the times in our walks with Christ. Of God, I'm willing to give you this, this, and this, but you can't have this because it means so much to me. And a lot of times, the this that we don't want to give up is a relationship in our life. We've gotten to a toxic place. We've gotten to a really dark place that God's best is no longer a big deal. That what we're called to what we're supposed to do as believers becomes secondary to trying to keep this relationship alive because you've both become selfish along the way. It's a dangerous place to be, and I see high schoolers there all the time. And then, inevitably, that relationship disappears and it goes away, and they don't know what to do with themselves anymore because it became their God. It became their everything. It became what they were known by. That's where they found their happiness. And then when it's gone, they don't know what to do with themselves anymore. 
So if you're in a relationship and a friendship with somebody and it causes you to lose sight of what's best and it causes you to lose sight of God's best, get out. You need to go because it's not worth it. There's nothing here on earth that's worth sacrificing God's best because everything here on earth is temporary. That relationship, man, should make the kingdom better without a doubt. Here's the final thing and what makes a selfless relationship and it ties in with that. The relationship serves a greater purpose. See, Elijah and Elisha were serving the Lord But he was using the two of them in a mighty way, not for Elijah and Elisha's purpose, but for God's purpose on their lives. They both could have gotten way too overconfident and gone, you know what, I am the reason this works. I am the reason, If in Elijah's case, I am the reason that fire came down from heaven. Like, that's all me. I did this. But they don't lose sight of that. Because they realize that their relationships serve a greater purpose. The thing that I love about this series, guys, is with each person that we look at and with each relationship that we look at, each one is focused on advancing something that's greater than themselves. It's never just about the friendship. It's never just about the relationship. It's about that relationship turning around and making the world a better place because they're bringing Christ into it together. They're making the world a better place because they're bringing Christ into the world. A godly relationship, guys, is always going to serve something greater than just the group. But a worldly relationship is going to serve itself every single time. And so if you're trying to differentiate of like, okay, is this a godly friendship? Is this a godly relationship? Is this something I should stay in? Ask yourself, who's it serving? Is it serving the Lord? Is it about loving the Lord with everything that you've got? Is it about loving the rest of the world coming together to do that? Or is it about serving each other? That right there is going to tell you all that you need to know. A good and godly relationship, guys, is going to bring glory to God, but a worldly relationship is only going to bring glory to individuals. And here's the thing with bringing glory to individuals. Accolades come and go. They don't last. They don't keep us happy forever. There are a plaque that goes on the wall, and congratulations. But when we're serving the Lord, when we're pouring everything that we've got into making sure that his name's known, that has an eternal impact. That's something that doesn't just matter here, it matters there. It makes truly a life difference. So my prayer for you is that you would evaluate the relationships that you've got in your life. That you would take a look at the people that you're around and the relationships that you have and you would look and go, okay God, is this selfish and serving just us? 
or is this selfless in serving you? I pray that we have more relationships like that than anything else. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for, man, just this example that we can find here, but God, all throughout Scripture. And Father, I know that right now in everybody's minds, they're thinking of that one friendship. They're thinking of that one relationship going, okay, who's this serving? And we know deep down if it's selfish or selfless. God, there's no debating it. Father, I pray that we would surround ourselves with selfless people and selfless friendships. God, that we would be about serving so much more than individual interests, but we would be focused on serving the kingdom with everything that we've got. And that the relationships in our lives only strengthen what you call us to, not tear us away from it. So God, give us the wisdom, give us the discernment, and give us the confidence to realize what we're called to and what our relationships should look like and separate ourselves from what the world looks like. Father, we love you. We thank you that you still surround us with selfless people and selfless relationships today. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.